friends, countrymen, lovers of all things design. This is Grits and Grids. All right, good morning, Grits and Gritters, and welcome back. I know it's been a little while since uh, you've heard this sultry voice of mine, but we are here. It is technically season two, which means really absolutely nothing except that for the last few months uh, we've just been way too busy to rethink things. Um, but here we are and joining me is Aaron Toby. Uh, he's a brand strategist and hello, brand hello. designer here at Vigor. Now say hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> and as always this is Joseph Zala, principal of Vigor, a restaurant branding and marketing firm here in Atlanta. Um, so what took us so long? We, we kind of regrouped on Grits and Grids and discussed uh, whether or not we were really putting something great into the world. And, and we thought it was wonderful to talk to all these great designers and stuff, but there are so many other podcasts that are doing just a really good job. And I, I just don't think when we really took a step back and assessed it that we were like, hey, we're not, it's not like we're doing something so much more amazing. Um, I mean, if you want suggestions, listen to Obsessed with the Design. Uh, Josh Miles does a fantastic job. We all know Adventures in Design, and Mark Bricky does a fantastic job. Uh, the Creative South uh, podcast is great, um, and a litany of others. And so, you know, did this world really need another podcast that talked to creatives? And it's like a, a, our own uh, positioning exercise. Exactly, exactly. And I think uh, Aaron and I both agreed that no, no, it really doesn't. Um, I like the sound of my voice, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to make it different enough for... So this is the last episode. So this is it. Goodbye. <laughs> <It's over. laughs> no, but um, so what we did is we kind of took a step back and said, what could we put into this world that is a lot more fun and less origin story slash process? Because mainly when we listen to those, we think, okay, there's probably some truth to that. But as designers and creatives, we tend to, uh, you know, uh, make our our worlds a little bit sexier than they may be and so what we wanted to do is kind of rethink that and say hey can we get some realness from these people um can we dig into the food and drink that they love eating while they're working or at home um, stuff that they grew up with why do they love it do they still eat it um so there's that and then there's the other part which is not the ugly side, but just the more real side of this business, like nightmare clients or nightmare scenarios that we've had to deal with. Um, and I think I think some of those were your ideas too, Aaron, like the idea of what's your sweet spot in the creative process? Like, what are you really mm -hmm. good at? Um, and then, you know, what's always a challenge for you creatively? Those are some tough questions, and I think we're getting some great responses from people. Um, and then there's this segment in the middle called Bang, Mary Kill. And maybe we do that right now, just to give people a little bit of a taste of what's It's a great icebreaker. <laughs> it's a great icebreaker. Now, of course, we toned down the first word and into our first word into bang instead of the f word because we're trying to be nice people, reasonably classy, reasonably classy. Um, but so, guilty pleasure you bang down when no one else is looking, food or drink. Um, okay, let's see here. I think. Uh, Probably I would have to say hot fries. Hot fries? I'm a sucker for hot fries. I know it's like literally the most disgusting processed food possible. <laughs> it's like literally like fried corn and chemicals. <laughs> but it's crunchy and it's spicy and 
um, I would kill a bag of hot fries like in an instant. Do you sob a little bit while you do? Yeah, I do. I do. I feel, Don't look at I me, feel, I'm a monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My lips get all red and orange. You know, I look disgusting. I feel disgusting. It's great. But a part of you feels amazing. Yeah. After after like a couple beers, you know, it's just I don't know. It it's a it's a great beer companion, really. Yeah. That yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. What about Mary? So the go-to food or drink that you could eat every single day and just be happy. Oh gosh, you know it can't be anything like too like out there crazy because you'd get too tired of it. Um, mm. So I would probably I would probably say something like pho, mm. which is just like a comfort food. It has a lot of variety already kind of built mm -hmm. into it, so it's like it wouldn't get boring. And on a day like today where it's like really cold, yeah, like I'm like totally I'm like refreshing. freezing cold right now. <laughs> like I'm literally like shivering. <laughs> so our offices are in a very large lofty space yeah. and. Uh, for some reason, the heat wasn't on over the weekend, so it is... A bowl of pho would be perfect right now. Yeah, I would kill it. Or a ramen for me. I mean, yeah. Especially here in Atlanta, Guy Wong does... Uh, he has a place called Tan Tan. It just does fantastic ramen. I'll have to check um, that out. I, I would murder people for that. And mainly just because I like murdering people, but specifically for ramen, I think yeah. I could get away with it. And Well, then it's a good cause. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a very good cause. Um... And then the final one, just the food that you would kill, you would just banish it from the face of the earth because it's oh, just so man. terrible to you. That's tough. I really, I feel like almost every food has a time and place. Not liver. Not, well, yeah, that <laughs> one is actually, yeah, yeah. And I, I hate to, I hate to turn on my own Jewish background, but I'd actually say matzah. Oh, really? You don't yeah, like matzah? Matzah's just so, like, it is, like, it's like baked boredom. Yeah. It's just so bland. Something but bad must have happened to you. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. You know what it is good for, though, is transporting horseradish to your mouth. Yeah. Okay. So, see, even matzah has its place. I don't know. Yeah. Mayonnaise. I'm not real, really a big fan of mayo. But what if you call it aioli? Yeah, well, then I'm into it. Yeah. See, there you go. It's so millennial of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hipster mayo. So we've gotten some, we've gotten a lot of fun responses on that segment from some of the people coming up uh, on our episodes. Um, in this season, we have we've already recorded with uh, Amy and Jennifer Hood of Hutzpah Design and uh, Odds and Sods. Great, great ladies, a lot of fun. Um, I could probably could have talked to them for another hour and still had an enjoyable experience. Um, we also have Christian Helms from Helms Workshop uh, out of. Um, uh, what's it? Austin. What's that little place? That little place in uh, Texas? Yeah, Deep Austin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Helms, the, the collective over there, I'm sure you're familiar with their work. They do a lot of great work, and he, he was a pleasure to have on as well. Um, we have some other people coming on board, and we haven't recorded as of this moment, but we are confirmed to record with Michael Beirut, which, I'll be honest, I'm scared, because he is so <laughs> eloquent and smart, and he makes me sound like a dummy. I mean, I make me sound like a dummy, but he just reflects the dumminess of me. Really amplifies it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be very apparent. I actually just saw um, a Time, I think it was a Time Magazine cover that he did this morning. Oh, nice. It's, uh, it's pretty brilliant. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart cookie. I'm really excited to see some of the uh, responses that he has um, to, to the questions that we have queued up. I think it's going to be very insightful. Um, tonight... The Vigor crew is going to see one of Michael's uh, partners, Paula Sure, Sure, Sure. I'm never sure. I'm never sure either. <laughs> um, I share that fully, uncertainty. <laughs> and Debbie Millman's going to be there. Um, Debbie, who has the most lovely, loveliest voice, 
Unfortunately, if Debbie, you're listening, I have to apologize. I have a very hard time listening to you because it makes me sleepy. In a good way, not in a boring way. It's just a very calming voice. Um, but I do fully intend to corner them and get them to commit to doing an episode with us as well. Um, so hopefully my team can help me do that. <laughs> I think there are enough of us to, to effectively pin Surround them into a corner. Yeah, yeah. We're, we can be very intimidating. Yeah, oh, very. You know, like if we, you know, punch our palm, you know, I think that, mm-hmm. that scares people mm-hmm. a lot. Um, anyway, so what we've done is we've broken up uh, our new episodes into two segments, The Grits and The Grids. The Grits is going to be all about food and beverage and kind of the things that we were talking about. For instance, um, if you could get your hands on any food or beverage brand, what would you do to it? I'm asking you, Mr. Tov. Oh, jeez. Bon Tovey. Um, hmm. Any food or beverage brand. What's something that really, really has room to grow? Well, one that, that I think I've talked about with you a little bit recently that would be interesting is what do you do with Budweiser? Yeah, and they just launched a new a new uh, limited time beer. I don't know if you saw any advertising for that. I, I watched sports that. ball on the weekends. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard of that game. Yeah, there's a lot of it's very there's, popular. There's touchdowns and strikes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, on the sports bar programming, they 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 announced uh, this new limited edition recipe lager that they pulled up from the Budweiser archives. It's a little more amber color. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to go the more heritage direction. I think so. See, the problem with Budweiser right now is that they're just, they have an identity conflict. Like, mm-hmm. they're just, it's clear that there's like two camps in there. And one of them is saying, hey, you have to push toward this kind of heritage thing, mm-hmm. you know, authenticity, craft, blah, 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 that whole direction. Um, and then there's this other camp that's like, Marka. Quite literally, actually. Yeah, like, exactly. Literally renamed the brand to America. They actually did that out of can. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think that they're the. So to me, I think what would be interesting about being, you know, inside their walls for a little while would be the strategy question of like, how do we, you know, how do we establish an identity and a story that like everybody can kind of agree on? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that conflict it's making its way out into the world um and they're like sort of anti-craft beer campaigns Mm -hmm. that a lot of people kind of call bs on because at the same time they're buying up you know all these craft beer brands and it's like you know really it's not a credible um kind of campaign uh, so I think it would be I think that would be interesting just to try and like herd those cats and figure right. out like what what is it about Budweiser that's authentic to where the brand has been in the past but also can help them to maintain relevance in the future and then you know then that of course would lead to some kind of creative mm-hmm. output but it's hard to know what that would even be until you've gone through that process. Yeah, yeah. I mean they have the heritage and I think there's still a place for um, as my friends and I call it Bud Heavy. You know, mm-hmm. at, at the bar. Yeah. Um, I think they could be, I think they could give PBR a run for their money on hipster ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, if not with, with the millennial hipster, but the new up and comers. Yeah. Because um, they do have that vintage cool. They could they could own that vintage cool factor if they would yeah. just embrace it, I think, a little yeah. bit more. Like, I do mean, we really need to see more Clydesdales? Are Clydesdales still selling beer? And I would say no. Right. Yeah, I think they could they could tap into the whole like kind of normcore like mm-hmm. thing that's emerging where it's like um, it's about being flexible 
with like you know how you dress and what you eat and what you drink and being able to go high mm-hmm. and being able to go low being able to you know uh, wear expensive denim but also being able to wear like dad pants mm-hmm. you know kind of like so I think I think there's something there that they could probably tap into which is like just this sort of relief of being able to be free to just drink a beer yeah to but just that, and I think they tried no to do that I think that's what they tried to do but rather than focusing on the merits of that idea itself mm-hmm. they tried to go anti everything else and I think everything else has a place too and that's where that's where it just didn't pan out yeah well I mean they're fighting each other like you said it, it, it seems like two very clear camps um, or, or more maybe so you know you can't be buying up a bunch of craft breweries than acting like you're right. more craft. You're not more craft. And right. you know, anyone who knows beer knows lager is one of the toughest things to actually brew right. And they do it. And they do it, and they do it yeah. well. And I think what we're going to see is the pendulum start to swing back off of this uber overcrafted world. Yeah. It's just, it's getting too overdone. It's getting too saturated. And I think we're getting fatigued. I think the market's start, going to start getting fatigued. And it's like, yeah. dude, just give me a beer. Yeah, because I don't care about your apricot smooshed, you know, create, you know, curated herbal infusion goza. Yeah. I just don't. Well, and in I think from like a culinary standpoint, like people need to have beers that they can have with a meal that will be like a happy second fiddle. Right. Like you, you know, there aren't a lot of meals where like a double IPA is like the natural companion so right because it is a meal (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) I don't need to drink a meal while I'm eating a meal yeah um so I think that would be another you know play that they could make it's like it honestly like a crisp lighter you know lager like that Mm -hmm. is is really good um with a lot of different kinds of food right And, and so you know that's another thing like I think people's taste at least my taste personally I, I'm kind of fatigued with all mm-hmm. the super heavy, like super caloric intense beers because, you know, normally it is something that I want with a meal. So if I'm eating like spicy Asian food, I want like a Singha. Right. You know? right. I, don't, I don't want like, you know, some insanely like dense beer to right. go with that. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe that's not the direction that they could go is, is like, a, you know, this is, this is the beer that you have with your your meal that you know kind of allows everything to, to mm-hmm. shine I don't know no it makes sense I think you know realizing the the place that beer can have at the table quite literally alongside of food um, which I you know I think I think the back to basics um, movement that I think it's primed to happen across the board I think it's gonna mm-hmm. happen in food too I mean honestly like you know go to go to any better bur- quote unquote better burger concept these days mm-hmm. and it's like dude can I just get a cheeseburger Right. Like, I don't... Cheddar. I just don't care. Just put, just put a slice on cheddar. There. Yeah, like, there's there's something like wonderful. Right <laughs> it's great It's great that it was, like, reinvented and upgraded yeah. and, you know, people really explore. But I think, you know, there's going to be a spot opening up where people are just kind of over it. They want... They just want basically delicious food Yeah. that, yeah, it's still sourced. They don't want garbage. They don't want processed food. But they just want a simple setup, you know? Yeah. Just make it really good. It's almost as if, like... <clears throat> This over the over hopping and the over um, ingredienting not a word it's a word it now. is now yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, you know is masking 
just a really damn good hamburger or a really damn good sandwich. Yeah. You know, and I, I think we're going to see that. I think that's going to be something that Generation uh, Z. Yeah. Is it brings to uh, mm-hmm. brings to the table, and I, I think because um, there's a new little generation segment. I don't know if you heard that or not. Oh, really? um, that that I'm in. I have a place now. because oh. I'm not Gen X. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel so a part of something bigger now. Yeah. Um, I'm not Gen X, and I'm and sure, sure, sure as hell not a millennial. Um, although my my birth date, my my year, would have me in one or the other kind of depending on mm-hmm. you know who's who's doing it. Um, but there is a group, I think, of like from 1978 to 1983 that are like a transitional group called the Zennials with an X. Ooh. Yeah, Z-E-N-N-I-A-L. It's a pretty zingy name. It's zingy. They really, they really uh, broke the mold on that one. Yeah. Um, but it makes a lot of sense because, you know, there's a, you know, we're the group of people that were raised analog but mm-hmm. adopted technology. You know, so we were, we're not like a millennial that has always had a home computer. I didn't get a home right. computer until I was 15. Yeah. You know, so I was raised in an analog world. You know, cell phones didn't become a thing until 16, 17 years old for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously adopted and, and are in it. So it's just a different kind of mentality. And I think this generation has had fun enjoying and indulging in the excess and the super curated and the super mm-hmm. overdone stuff. But I think we also crave that basic. Mm-hmm. Just basically good thing, whether it's a beer or, or yeah. a burger. Yeah. And and I think um, as I've been doing Gen Z research, see, I'm old enough now that I have to do research. Yeah, I'm like, what do the kids say these <laughs> yeah, days? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, as I've been doing Gen Z research for some of the clients that we're working on, one of the things that was surprising to me is that they're just they're so much more practically minded mm-hmm. than perhaps I would assume mm-hmm. because. You always assume that the pendulum is going to keep going in the direction it's been going until mm-hmm. it changes, right? Yep. So you you might think that Gen Z is going to be like a caricature of millennials in relationship to Gen X, but it's really not. Um, mm-hmm. Like for instance, uh, like millennials are, we are the peak of social oversharing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's already going back the other way. Right. And I think there's probably um, somewhat of a a trend that mirrors that in terms of tastes as well Mm -hmm. or at least will mirror that in terms of like things being unfancy yeah (laughs) yeah like just bringing it down like less complex you know yeah just make it simpler like life is complicated enough like right ordering a burger or choosing a beer going back to the Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) back to our little theoretical case study here should not be um a moment where you have to have an identity crisis about you know like how I don't know how good your taste is or, or how right. many ingredients you can recognize on a menu or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's almost like there's too much. Uh, people want to shed all of that extra identity pressure, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even choices as simple as choosing a beer are kind of part of that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like you you were using the the example of like a goza or something. Mm-hmm. Well, when you order something like that, it's, it's you know, whether you want it to be or not, it's like an identity statement because it's, of like course. it's sort of a French style. So you're saying, hey, I'm into craft beer. You know, I've already kind of been through the options on this menu and I want something different. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm, you know, ordering like a wild ale or something. Right. And I think that what's happening is that like millennials kind of reveled in all of that and it was like really fun. Um, and then, you know, now it's kind of like, uh, yeah, that's 
that actually just looks kind of like from the outside mm-hmm. and it just looks kind of complicated and burdensome mm-hmm. so I just want like I want basic stuff I yeah want, I want dad jeans I want a Budweiser I don't want dad jeans yeah I don't either <laughs> <laughs> I and I wish mom pants would just go away yeah <laughs> I know I know it's a shame yeah. um, no I think it's true and it's something that um, I think it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds and, and what this new generation really brings to the table with things I mean you know, this is the generation that was raised on Netflix binging, not having to wait for shows to come out. Mm-hmm. You don't have to wait till next week to see what happens. Right. They're incredibly complex, too. They're able to absorb very complex storylines that intermingle and intersect. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was talking about that the other day. I mean, just look at Game of Thrones. Like, how many different storylines were going, mm-hmm. you know? And this is their world. Um, and that's why they, I think they crave something deeper than just buy my stuff, marketing and advertising. Because um, yeah. they want to know more about it. They want to know what they're buying. And I think there's a reclamation of value. Um, you know, that word has been completely neutered over the decades. And mm-hmm. it's something that people don't even say anymore. But this generation, I think, is desperately searching for value again. Mm-hmm. You, know, I, you know, I don't have a lot of money right now because I'm young. What am I getting for what I'm spending? Yeah. You know, and it's not just a matter of size and portion. It's also quality of, you know, that Q word that was a no-no for a while as well is back up where it's like, yeah. tell me why this is a quality product. You it's know? about, yeah, and it's about intrinsic value too. Exactly. Right. So it's not, um, it's not like the 1950s, like features and benefits kind of value. Right. It's more about like, is this, does this have like, I don't know, capital V value? Does it mm-hmm. have meaning? Um, is is this a good addition to my repertoire of brands that yeah. I technically wear on my sleeve? Yeah. You know, am I a Budweiser guy? You know, is, yeah. does this brand get to be a part of me? Yeah. It's really interesting. So you started a brand. I did. I know it's the worst segue in the world, but yeah, <laughs> you started a yeah, brand, with, and I want to talk about it because I think that's one of the things that I, I like, uh, not just about you, but everyone in inside the Vigor team is. We really, I really want everyone to kind of have something else that they are passionate about um, for many, many reasons. And you started a brand called, along with a friend, started a brand called uh, Lumerie. Yeah. And it's, it's technically candles, but I think one of the things that's very intriguing is the narratives that you've created around the scents. And it's like, a, to me, it translates very well to food and beverage because that's one of the things that I've always loved about the restaurant space is mm-hmm. you have that extra sense that you don't necessarily have in, say, automotive or... Um, manufacturing or these other mm-hmm. industries you know it's a consideration for instance you know walking near a Cinnabon will trigger hunger for Cinnabon no matter what kind of diet you're on uh, <laughs> you know just because it's such an you know meanwhile just try to walk into a subway and walk out without smelling like yeast you know and I think Subway is mm-hmm. one that can maybe do for some sort of refresher because the way they proof their their bread and stuff which I think is brilliant but it also creates a smell that I think is not necessarily pleasant not necessarily unpleasant but not necessarily pleasant either where you know that's that's a consideration it's you know how do you how do you uh, control that and you're quite literally controlling it with with the candles so mm-hmm. what, what was the uh, what was your thinking behind that like what what really sparked that yeah so well um yeah, it's kind of funny when you say, like, I created a brand. My, my first thought is, like, well, I've made a lot of brands. <laughs> right, know? yeah. But but the, the reason I say that is that after doing that for, you know, 10 years, um, I wanted to own one of the brands that I had created. Mm-hmm. Um, not just to, you know, not just because I am 
you know, I do actually have kind of a control oriented personality, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so after a while of like doing that as an agent for someone else, like you, you just become very curious about what would happen if I were on both sides of this conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that, that was something that had been marinating and, and I specifically wanted it to be a product brand. And, um, this was because I had just been thinking about, it's kind of like a confluence of, of different mm-hmm. personal thoughts about, I'm too connected to technology. Mm-hmm. I want to get back in touch with my senses somehow. Mm-hmm. I'm too busy. So I need to figure out real practical ways that I can like build space into the rhythm of my day. I started to think about places where that was already happening. And I thought of, you know, really, there were just really simple things that I was already doing that I didn't realize were these little mechanisms for me to kind of like have a moment to kind of catch my thoughts, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, So it'd be things as simple as like doing pour over coffee in the morning. I'm really not a coffee snob. Mm -hmm. Like I don't do pour over coffee because I think it's better coffee, even though maybe it is. I do it because I like the ritual of like, you know, standing there with the little gooseneck pot and like swirling the coffee grounds. Mm -hmm. And it's like humming Mario Brothers theme. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, which one? <laughs> First one. Yeah. Oh, go OG dun, dun, on this dun, one. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, that's when it gets dark. Yeah, that's yeah. the dark roast. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> that's the Sumatra. It's very, very yeah. earthy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, a nice coupe of coffee. You can edit that out uh, if you need great. to. No, we're keeping that in. <laughs> okay. So in case you guys haven't anyway. picked up, uh, Aaron, Aaron does absolutely nothing to prevent my tangential personality. Uh, in fact, it's supported and it's like It's like two two rabbits chasing each other. Yeah. It, yeah. Minus the... Yeah, minus the <laughs> things that rabbits do once <laughs> they catch each other. Just the trails part. <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, so I was... Uh, so I wanted to start a product brand that would kind of like help to continue that idea. Mm-hmm. So uh, I partnered with my friend and business partner, Anderson Duncan, mm-hmm. um, and we decided to do candles as our as Lumery's first product because it was um, something that we could kind of get into and we thought it was a good medium for, you know, like I call the product super sticky notes. Mm-hmm. So we know that like intrinsically the candle is just a good candle. Right. But that the idea is that it can serve as a sticky note in your environment that says, hey, remember that time that you told yourself that you were going to like relax at night and have a little bit of chill time? Here's the candle that you bought at the moment that you were being presented with that story. And so now when you see it, it reminds you, hey, I haven't actually done that in five or six nights. Yeah. So I'm going to light the candle, you know, I'm going to think about what's going on in my life. I'm going to whatever, drink some wine, whatever your thing is. Mm And I'm going to take that time to like be a, at least what we think a, a normal, happy, healthy human would be, which is someone who works and plays and then sometimes does nothing. Yeah. Um, sometimes just soaks up life. Yeah, exactly. And, and digests, right? Because it's like all of that stuff is just like, it's like uh, psychological input. Mm-hmm. And at some point you need to stop so that you can digest, whether that's, something really simple, like just a mundane activity that mm-hmm. allows you to do that, like, you know, raking the leaves, or if it's, you know, meditation or prayer mm-hmm. or taking a walk, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, but that's really kind of the lifestyle that we're going after with Lumery. And that's, right. we want to make products that serve as that sticky note, that little kind of point of inspiration to say, hey, chill out, mm-hmm. you know, go to the woods, 
do something different. Yeah, or just sit in your chair by the window. Yeah. Without your phone. Yeah. You know, without your computer. I, I like to read books, like actual physical books. Yeah. Uh, again, I like the smell. Mm-hmm. I think I find the smell of a book or something freshly printed to be very calming. Yeah. That's wonderful. actually, that's been one of our, like we have like sort of a short list of like challenge fragrances mm-hmm. that we want to be able to do one day. And we've been thinking about a library for a long time. I think you should do one called Breakup and just have it be like onions and jalapenos. <laughs> <laughs> just, it just burns you. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That's but a great idea. Tack that one up. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah, I really. Uh, where, where can people find more about uh, Lumary? Lumary.co. Uh, it's L U M A R Y. Yeah, L U M A R Y. Sometimes Lumary. Sometimes we get Luminary. Yeah. It's okay. But yeah, Lumary.co. We are also in um, Citizen Supply in Pont City Market. That's where our studio is. Here in Atlanta, yeah. Here in Atlanta. Um, and so if you're in the Atlanta area, that's where we actually we have our workbench there. We make all our candles there and we retail there. Um, and we also do candle making workshops, which is really a fragrance blending and candle making workshop. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now we have that, if, again, if you're in Atlanta, on the um, handpicked um, app. So, um, cool. and uh, yeah, and you know, the, the, the cool part about making a fragrance is, um, you know, fragrance is, you've probably heard this before, it's the scent that has the strongest tie to memory. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. and there's actually a neurological like basis for that in terms of how our brains are, are set up um, basically the, the olfactory part of our brain and those memory and emotion parts of our brain are like close neighbors mm-hmm. so when you smell something and this goes back to the food thing mm-hmm. this goes back to the restaurant you know with the whole thing that is interesting to me is that you can use branding and creative to um to evoke these kinds of memories and emotions, mm-hmm. whether it's through a candle or it's through you know restaurant experience or whatever. Um, and so uh, anyway, so that's kind of just the, the final thought on why why that all makes sense for the concept is um, the, you know this idea of like if you want someone to feel nostalgic or if mm-hmm. you want someone to feel um, even spiritual as you know sort of gooey of a word as yeah. that is you can use like an incense fragrance because this is something that a lot of people have just sub either conscious or subconscious connection mm-hmm. to like that kind of spiritual context. Um, and so anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that, but no, no, it's really, I mean, I think that's one of the things that is most interesting um, is, is, is smells very rarely a topic of conversation when it comes to branding. And I think yeah, that's something again that I think translates really nicely over to what we do here at Vigor mm-hmm. um, and in the restaurant branding space in general. But I think we, we have yammered on long enough. It was a good yam. Absolutely. I love yams. So follow, uh, go check out uh, lumery.co, uh, follow them on social media. And then in case you guys haven't noticed, Grits and Grids now has a shop where we sell things. It's an egregious attempt to get some revenue in the door to help pay for hosting, as well <laughs> as um, some other things that we have coming down the pike. Um, there's some highlights, for instance, a hat that says, fuck Yelp, because... <laughs> for that very reason I don't need to say anything else and uh, who doesn't love the Stay Woke mug I think it's a great addition to any mug collection <laughs> so thank you all for tuning in we're really excited about season 2 Aaron thanks for joining me okay. and uh, I guess we gotta go back to work now. Yeah, I guess so.
Have a good week, y'all. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no end in between on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.